This is Coffee Number no. Five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee Number no. Five. I have to tell you a story. I was told that you have to write a book, you have to plant a tree, and you have to have a child. I planted a, a tree, I had a child, and I need to go for the book. And since I'm a crazy reader, and it's something that I always love to do, and then I had to learn a second language to be able to read in the language, and and I'm grateful for the written words because it gave me vocabulary and it gave me experiences of other people and it took me to different worlds and I love all that and today we brought Andre Ori who is the CEO 13th and John so you're gonna have to tell us about that name why but also I she's a, go- a former ghostwriter and well, she has an incredible story that she's going to share with us, I hope. So welcome, Andre. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, first and foremost. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Uh, so as you mentioned, my name is Audrey Ori, and I am a celebrity ghostwriter and CEO of 13th and Joan Publishing House. 13th and Joan, the name came from, actually, um, I was raised in a single parent home. And so I was raised by my mother and my grandmother who lived about four hours away. And so my grandmother was born on the 13th day of October. And my mother's name is Joanne or Joan. And so I always say that my story is the intersection of those two women who raised me. And so that's how I came up with 13th and Joan. Oh my God. And you can tell that the writer came up with that name because it's very, very unique and I love it. Thank you. So tell me a little bit more about your story. How did this journey started from becoming from a, a single mother house and, and growing into writing? And you you wrote pretty for pretty big people and you did a lot of stuff. So one of those things, um, you know, that you asked is how was it growing up in a single parent home? Um, so my father was not there, not present. And for quite some time, I didn't really feel that it affected me in any way. I thought, you know, my mother did a phenomenal job. It wasn't until I was older that I kind of realized the importance of what a father can give to a daughter and that some of those things may have been things that I needed to that I didn't have, you know, honestly. And so um, the other thing that I recognized in some ways is that it affected my self-esteem. I didn't know that at the time, but as you get older and you start to kind of analyze things, you realize um, where some of that pain can be. So there was that. And then um, also one of the things that did happen was that there was, my mother eventually found love and then there was domestic violence in my home. And so that was something that I witnessed. And so, you know, together, my mom and I really teamed up and the domestic violence laws at that time were very lenient, um, nothing like what is in place today. So, you know, we teamed up to kind of try to strategize our way through it um, to get past that. And we did together. And so uh, we ended up 
really being successful as far as, you know, her moving forward and me moving forward in school. But that was the, you know, the, the trauma. And so as I got older, I realized that, wow, these are some things that I haven't actually dealt with. And these are some things that are shaping who I am and who I become. They are part of my story. But also that they made you stronger. Definitely made me stronger. Definitely made me stronger. But the one thing that I did at the age of 10 um, was that I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I published the book. I planned a book signing. And I actually interviewed women to share their stories in that book. And so I was able to touch writing. I was able to touch words. I was able to touch stories at the age of 10. And that never left me. And so what I didn't realize at the time was that that was ghostwriting, um, running the, you know, the publishing house, creating book signings, helping people with their book launches. That's what I do today. So it's really a full circle moment to come back to books and words. So you've been doing this for how long now? I mean, I don't want to give away your age, but it's. It's fine. Yeah, I've been writing now for 35 years. That's incredible. There are so many people that pick about grammar, grammar, and I'm one of those. But I mean, there are also, do you feel like grammar has changed in the last times? I feel that they did because of social media and because how we use the language. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Grammar has evolved. It's content, you know, it continuously evolves and we have to stay abreast of, you know, what is considered acceptable. But the other thing that grammar never took into account is that people come from various backgrounds and we speak various languages. And then even within our cultures, we have languages that are not necessarily common knowledge. And so you have to account for that, you know, when it, when grammar comes into play. One of the things that we really value at 13th and Joan is making sure that we have editors who are culturally aware of the stories that are being told. There are some things that should remain the same depending on who the reader is. There are some things that should be changed. And so um, we definitely honor the grammar police, but we also honor the cultural nuances and the ebbs and flows of the unspoken rules that, that apply to specific cultures and specific nationalities. Yeah, and I, I so respect that. But I want to ask you, because I hear so many people say, I want to write a book. Uh, oh, I'm writing a book and they never end. And I'm one of those, but not because I don't want to uh, finish it. I do want to finish it. I just never have the time. And it will happen eventually. But okay, so let's give it the steps because I always talk to people in the other side that they're writers and they get a book. Let's talk from the publisher side. What makes you publish a book? You know, the first thing, because the the first consideration is that in many instances, we serve audiences that might not be selected by the major publishing houses. And that has nothing to do with the quality of the story. Um, one of the things that I did when I got involved in publishing is that I started to do research and I realized that there was a great disparity between who was selected by major publishing houses. And there are five, they're condensing now. Um, and there are going to be some, some mergers coming up that are very big that will affect the publishing industry as well. But, um, there were people who were overlooked and, 
I was really uh, concerned about that because I know that there are very valuable stories out there that need to see the light of day. There are stories that are blueprints um, for people who come behind. There's information that needs to be shared. And so I wanted to make sure that there was an alleyway, you know, um, for people to publish quality work. The second thing that we have to take in consideration is that the industry, the publishing industry is changing. It's ever evolving. And so because of those mergers that are happening right now, as we speak, the mergers are so big that there are people who petitioned the mergers to happen because they understand the effects on the publishing industry. But what that means is that there is less opportunity from the big publishers that have been in existence for over 99 years for new authors, first-time authors. But what I recognize as a publisher is that because you're a first-time author, it doesn't mean that your story is of any less value. It doesn't mean that it's of any uh, less importance. So I say all of that to say what we're looking for first and foremost is an author who is passionate about getting their story to market because let, let, let me ask you a question let's uh, because I want to make sure our audience understand what a publisher does for an author because I think that there is a misconception about publishers and I just want to clarify the role of the publisher and the relationship with the author sure now All publishers are not created equally. That means that, you know, publishers serve different purposes. Every publisher doesn't do the same thing. However, the things that a publisher can do is to um, help the author with the concept of the book. That is conceptualizing what the book will be written about, what components are included in the book, uh, what stories or what information is going to be a part of it. Um, a publisher can also assist in the writing process. For example, I'm a ghostwriter, so sometimes I write the book for a client. Um, a publisher can assist in developing the cover concept and making sure that the cover concept aligns properly with the story. Um, developing the inside of the book, the way the book looks inside is just as important as the content that is in it. And so the reader's experience, the publisher can deal with that. The publisher can help the author to uh, price the book, to determine the appropriate market pricing, to determine the genre for the book, to determine the categories that, that the book would be uh, listed in when it is you know, made live. The publisher can also do distribution. And so what that means is where is the book going to be sold? How is it going to get into the hands of the customer? Okay, that, that's something that I think is the biggest belief that the publisher, that's the only thing that they do is distribution. So you can have a deal with the publisher without distribution? Well, it depends on what kind of deal you have with the publisher. There is what is called vanity publishing, and those publishers will often create the book for you, and then you can publish it yourself. And then there are publishing houses who are not vanity publishers, and they take care of the distribution. So that's why I'm saying it's not a one-size-fits-all. All publishers are not created equally. So, for example, if let's say I have a book and I want to work with you, so I'll send you my manuscript. What would you do next? So, and I hate to say it depends, but it depends. If the manuscript, if you're coming to us with your manuscript, we would analyze its content. Um, we would determine its viability for market. And then we would also determine your viability 
T for market. So are you also willing, you know, to promote your book and to build your author's platform? That's very, very important. And absolutely, the author has a say so in all of these things. But the publisher is there to consult and to guide and to make the decisions that are in alignment with what's going to help the book to be successful. So from the point of the consulting, the book goes to editing, the book gets developed, design process, all of those things. And then distribution is the the last step of the publishing process. And where would you distribute it? You work, we already work with channels of bookstores, uh, online, how you determine that? So you put together what is called a distribution strategy. That is also not a one size fits all because all authors don't have the same goals. There are some authors who do not want their book to be listed on Amazon because of the compensation that Amazon takes. Some authors have built like, for an example, there is an author that we have who has uh, followers in the excess of millions. So they don't need Amazon as a platform for their book to get readers, if that makes sense. They can keep more of their profits. But on the other hand, there are people, everyday heroes, as I refer to them, who benefit from the traffic that Amazon or Barnes and Noble online offers. And so when you create a distribution strategy, you have to make that determination based on what the author needs as well as the author's brand. So what your brand can sustain is also just as important. That means that it could be independent bookstores. It could be we've you know booked places like Target and Walmart. Those are non-traditional places for distribution for our authors. And so again, not a one size fits all. Yeah, absolutely. How normally the publisher works with the client? You take a commission, you take a flat fee. How do they work? All kinds of deals, not a one size fits all. You know, there are all kinds of deals. And we have, uh, you know, various authors who there is a fee based service, right? And then we have, you have authors who there may be a larger commission that is taken off the sale of the books. And so you really have to. What, what is a, a normal commission uh, from a publisher? So when you talk big house, big publishers, the ones who have been in existence for 99 years, you can see uh, an 80-20, you can see a 70-30, and that is not in favor of the author. And if you go, because I want to try to explain, because so many people want to go with the big house publishers. So why some people should go with smaller house publishers? And because what are the benefits that you see? Right. So. One of the things that people need to understand with the big house publishers is that you do not, in most instances, own the copyrights to your book. And so, you know, we, we always think about, wow, I want to I want to be signed, you know, by a big publisher. Well, that comes with big responsibility. If you want to keep your copyrights, chances are you're going to want to go with an independent publisher or to, you know, find another avenue because the copyrights are important to you. Most of the time when you go with a bigger publisher, they will own the rights to that story and they will make the majority of the money because they are going to in old days they used to put their marketing machine behind it. People need to understand that that is dwindling. That particular model is a model that is, is dwindling very fast because the marketing budgets are not really allotted to first-time authors or smaller authors without larger followings. The reason why is because the publisher cannot guarantee book sales. If you're a J.K. Rowling and you've already sold millions of copies of books, then the publisher is likely to take a risk because they understand that the reward is guaranteed. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So in this case, for example, would you give the client a budget for uh, an, the writer budget for advertising or is something that the, the writer needs to do themselves? What the writer must understand is that any monies given from the publisher will always be borrowed against sales. So if you are given a marketing budget, you're still going to pay for it in your book sales. That money, people think, okay, wow, I'm getting an advance. That advance is borrowed against your book sales. And so that is why you have people that often um, don't see money back from their books because it is borrowed against book sales. It's like that in every industry. I mean, I, I think that was so great that you explain it because it, that's, I think, something that they always say, oh, I got, got an advance. I got so much from marketing, but we never say that, okay, you're not going to get that. You're not going to see money for you for a long time because you need to pay it back. It's like a mortgage. Exactly. And most of the time, your royalties does not kick in until after those monies have been satisfied. So when you see someone that says, oh, wow, I've got this big, you know, press really a press press media run um, or, you know, there's some huge push behind it that is borrowed against the sales. Let me ask you something else. Um, so what would you recommend to new writer to pay for their own marketing? How would you recommend it to do it? I recommend for new authors, you know, number one, to build your brand. The thing is, you know, when you think about music, the reason why uh, artists don't necessarily need to be signed by labels anymore is because you have the power to immobilize people on your own. You know, you think about the, the, the example that I can give is a terrible example, but Justin Bieber, remember he was a, a sensation on. Yeah, I remember that. I remember those. We just gave, we just gave away our age almost. We gave away our age, Justin Bieber, Lord, he's making music today though too, but, but you know, he was really popular and he built his fan base on his own. And so he became of more value to a label for that reason. He did sign a, a recording um, contract, I believe, but he was of value. And the same thing is happening with many artists. And so I recommend to writers in all phases that you build your brand because you have more leverage when you have an established brand. You have more leverage for publishing houses right now. You're, they're not looking for books. They're looking for authors who can sell books, if that makes sense. Exactly. And I always say this to all my clients. Uh, even I said, when I hire someone in my team, what's your added value? How are you different? What you can bring to the table to help my team? Or what can, can you bring to a table to help your customer that you're different to someone else? What's your added value? And the same happens with the book. How are you different? How are you unique? Mm -hmm. And the only thing, you know, I mean, when we think about concepts, there are no new concepts. You know, there may be things that we write about differently, but the thing that makes an author unique is them you know, being an individual. Of course. So that's where the value add is. Your experiences, the things that you have gone through, you know, the lens that you see the world through, that's what's going to make you different. And so those are the very things that we use to leverage success. I love that we are so aligned in how you work with the, your authors and I work with my team and my clients. 
I, I love it. Well, I want to thank you so, so much for being here today. We're going to put all your information in the chapter notes so anyone can contact you at 30s and John. They can get all the information from you and they can even pitch you a story maybe. Absolutely. We're always looking. Thank you so much for this valuable information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, remember to leave a review. I will really appreciate it. If you want to know more about marketing and myself, follow me on Instagram. My handle is Lara Schmoisman. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.